Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to this uh, Book of Mormon podcast for Come Follow Me lesson. This is going to be lesson number five, which will cover 1 Nephi chapters 16 to 22, and we'll cover the period January 27th through February the 2nd. So we, uh, the last lesson, uh, Nephi had finished seeing his vision, uh, the same one that his father saw, which was pretty extensive. Not only was it uh, about the Tree of Life, but also about the history of the American continent. Uh, but also, uh, then as he finishes his uh, vision, he comes to find his brothers uh, kind of arguing with his dad, with their dad about some things. And so uh, he's going to confront them here and talk to them about um, the importance of being humble to understand things. Uh, so chapter 16, verse 1, mentions how uh, he, he made an end of speaking to his brethren. Uh, how, in other words, uh, that these are hard things. They're saying that these are hard things to be understood. Uh, he said, I know that I've spoken hard things against the wicked. Um, I might word my phrasing a little bit differently to these brothers if I was him, but uh, he doesn't uh, mince words with them, I guess, at all, does he? Um, in verse 5, it mentions there's some hope here for the brothers. It says they did humble themselves before the Lord, so that's a good thing. Uh, now, verse 7, came to pass that I, Nephi, took one of the daughters of Ishmael to wife, and also my brethren took of the daughters of Ishmael to wife. And also Zoram took the eldest daughter of Ishmael. So now we have uh, the boys are, are doing all the things that they've been commanded to do. They brought Ishmael's family down, and the main purpose of that is to be married. And so now here they are. Uh, so they're all married. And, and uh, one of the things that, that uh, Nephi mentions a lot in his writings, he was blessed highly of the Lord, highly favored of the Lord. And, and he's, he's having reference here to his, uh, his family, that he has children. Um, verse five or verse eight, it mentions that they've thus far fulfilled all the commandments that the Lord had given them. Uh, as I mentioned before, that the record that they're keeping, uh, the large plates uh, started 10 years after they left Jerusalem and the small plates started 30 years after they left Jerusalem. Uh, and so this that we're reading is from the small plates, which is the abbreviated version, uh, which has more of the uh, gospel oriented or gospel centered themes. Um, so verse 9, as they get ready to go on to their journey into the wilderness, now that they've accomplished everything that they've been commanded to so far, uh, the Lord's commanding them to go forward again. And this time in verse 10, uh, Lehi finds laying on the ground as they come out of the tent a ball of curious workmanship. And it was of fine brass, and within the ball were two spindles, and the one pointed the way whither we should go into the wilderness. Now it doesn't get a name until sometime around Alma chapter 37 called the Liahona. Uh, Hugh Nibley said in trying to uh, give an explanation of the meaning of the word Liahona, he says, Yah is, of course, God, Jehovah. Leah means the possessive. To God is the guidance, or Hona, Liahona. That's just a guess, he says, uh, but it's a pretty good guess anyway. 
Um, and so that's uh, what the purpose of the purpose of the Liahona is to guide them. Uh, and we think that maybe uh, some of the writings that they had on the Liahona uh, may have been written in the Adamic language, uh, which they were able to understand, but we don't know for sure. Uh, verse 13, notice that they pitched their tents in a place called Shazer. And it says, we did call the place Shazer. Remember that uh, in Hebrew custom, when they came to a new place that they hadn't been before, that they didn't know if there was a name to it, that they named it. I'm wondering if this is one of the uh, sons of Ishmael's name, Shazer. I wonder if that's the eldest son of, of Ishmael. Don't know that for sure, but just a guess. Um, verse 14 mentions that they're going down by the Red Sea. They're in the borders of the Red Sea as they go. Uh, they're actually traveling more southeasterly probably a south-southeasterly direction as they're going uh, south or down the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, down into verse 18. Now, because of the travel distance that they're going, the, the weather's changing. It's going from a, a humid or a, from a, a, a more humid uh, climate up in Jerusalem to more of a dry heat down in the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. And so the, the, their equipment is going to change their its composition just because of the weather. So in verse 18, it mentions that Nephi went forth to slay food. He did break his bow, which was, was of fine steel. Now, this doesn't mean that it was uh, completely made of steel, but that it was probably a composite bow of some kind that had um, both wood and uh, metal combined together. Uh, and so the twisting motion that it would have caused uh, might have caused the... the uh, the, the humidity or the lack of it might have caused the uh, the wood to crack and to splinter or to even just uh, become real pliant or more pliant than it should have been. Uh, but also that his brothers uh, were angry with him because he couldn't, couldn't get food, but then his their bows also lose their spring. So um, down in verse 21, it mentions that. So they're, they're angry with um, Nephi, but instead of that, uh, why don't they do something about it? Uh, so down in 23, Nephi takes some action here. He makes uh, he gets the wood uh, from a tree and, and, and makes a bow and then makes an arrow uh, out of a straight stick. And then he goes to his and then he also gets some stones for his sling that he has and then goes to his father to ask uh, where, where they should go to uh, find food. And so Lehi um, has to do a little repenting because he had complained earlier. Uh, but now he's humble and he gets an answer from the Liahona where Nephi should go uh, to hunt for food. And so Nephi goes off by himself. I'm wondering why the brothers don't go with him, uh, why they don't get, um, uh, you know, bow and arrow themselves and go off and help him. But uh, he goes off by himself and gets the slays some beasts and returns. Um, and they're, they're once again fed and they're happy. Um, down to verse 33, they traveled again, nearly the same course of direction. Uh, verse 34, however, Ishmael passes away. Now, notice that they, the place that they, they um, that that Ishmael dies is in a place called Nahum. Notice that it doesn't say a place that they called it because this already had a name. Um, a group of Latter-day Saint researchers have found uh, evidence linking a site in Yemen on the southwest corner of the Arabian Peninsula to a name associated with Lehi's journey as recorded in the Book of Mormon. So they found this place that had on it the name of uh, Nahum. And so this is an archeological evidence for a name that's found in the Book of Mormon. And the, the name actually means um, to sigh or to mourn. And so here Ishmael passes away and, and they leave him here and they bury his body in Nahum.
Um, also down to verse 37, uh, Laman and Lemuel now are going to rebel again, uh, and also some of the, the sons of Ishmael, and they want to kill Lehi and also Nephi, uh, because he, according to them, thinks that they're going to that he's going to be their leader, and that's not what they want to have happen. And so there's some uh, threatening here of of the brothers, uh, but then they. Um, they get ch chastened by the Lord, it says in the end of verse 39, uh, and they did turn away their anger so that they could continue on their journey. Down to chapter 17, it mentions that in verse 1 that they got to a certain place and then they turned nearly eastward. Joseph Smith said that they turned at about the 19th parallel uh, to go east. Um, and it's interesting on this particular line from this point to uh, where they end up in Bountiful, uh, on the probable trail which Lehi traveled, this is from uh, Paul Chessman, it says uh, they traveled, uh, there are today 118 water holes spaced on the average of about 18 miles apart. It was the custom of experienced travelers in Arabia that they never built a fire as it could attract the attention of prowling raiding party. As a result, they ate much of their food raw, as recorded in the Book of Mormon. Attacking and plundering camps still seem to be the chief object of some Arab tribes even today. So there's so the Liahona is probably pointing them to each successive waterhole as they are traveling in, in this area, going east now to uh, to the land of Bountiful or the place of Bountiful, which we'll cover later. Um, and so uh, down to verse four, we did sojourn for the space of many years. And you wonder why did they spend so much time? It says it took in verse four that they took them eight years to get here. Uh, verse 5, they came to the land which we call bountiful because of its much fruit and also wild honey. And all these things were prepared of the Lord that we might not perish. Now this land that they're at here, and this is on the seashore by the way, um, has to have um, not just food, but it ha also has to have wood. Now let me just read you a couple things here from uh, this place that they have come across. Hugh Nibley said, after traveling a vast distance in a south-southeasterly direction, the party struck off almost due eastward through the worst desert of all, where they did wade through much affliction to emerge in a state of almost complete exhaustion into a totally unexpected paradise by the sea. There is such a paradise in the Kara Mountains on the southeast shore of, of Arabia, on the Kara Mountains, which lie in that limited sector of the coast of South Arabia, which Lehi must have reached if he turned east at the 19th parallel. Uh, one of the few Europeans, uh, Bertram Thomas, who's ever been there, wrote, What a glorious place, mountains 3,000 feet high basking above a tropical ocean, their seaward slopes velvety with waving jungles, their roofs fragrant with rolling yellow meadows, beyond which the mountains slope northwards to a red sandstone steppe. Great was my delight when in 1928 I suddenly came upon it all from out of the arid wastes of the southern borderlands. Uh, compare this with Nephi's picture, it is virtually the same scene. The mountains, the rich woodlands with timber for ships, the rolling yellow meadow, a paradise for bees, the view of the seashore, and above all, the joyful relief at the sudden emergence from the red sandstone, one of the worst deserts on earth. And that was quoted from Lehi in the Desert um, by Hugh Nibley. Uh, also, uh, this place uh, is a tiny sickle curved around a little bay about 28 miles long and only 7 miles wide. Uh, for three months of the year, the monsoon clouds gather on the, on the shore. Uh, now today, uh, the, the normal uh, temperatures in, in this place, which is called Salala, uh, the temperatures range between 64 and 90 degrees, and the average rainfall is about four inches, and there's a current population of about 170,000 people. 
So this is the place, the, the oasis that they end up with that, uh, that they call Bountiful because of its much fruit and also, as I mentioned, trees to build ships with. And so this is, uh, this is where they're going to land. Now in verse 8, you know, you'd think that you'd be comfortable in this spot here, uh, but Nephi is told to go up again onto the mountain and uh, the Lord speaks to him and, and says that he's going to construct a ship. Now Nephi never says, well, I can't do that. I don't know how. He rather asks, well, where do I find ore to build the, or to make the tools with? And so the Lord shows him that and he makes ore, he makes tools, and then he tells the brothers, of course, they're thinking that he's nuts, that he can't do that. Um, and so they're thinking that this is a pretty decent place to rest in. Let's just stay here. Uh, they think that this might be the promised land. Uh, but Lehi and, and his family is told that they're supposed to go to another land, which is promised. Uh, so Nephi, in verse 23, uh, speaks to them uh, and tries to convince them of the truth of what they're trying to do here uh, and that they need to build the ship. Um, and he's saying that, you know, the Lord can do anything. He rules in the heavens above and he can make this happen if, we want, if he wants to. And so I think uh, we need to do this. And the brothers are still complaining. Um, now, down to verse 48, it says that the brothers were angry with him and were desirous to throw him into the, into the depths of the sea. So there must have been a cliff not too far from here. Uh, and this also is uh, what the, this land in Salala has is a place where you could actually throw somebody overboard or off the cliff into the ocean. Um, and so, um, but, but Nephi has, uh, has some power here. He says, in the name of the Almighty God, I command you that you touch me not. And now the brothers are afraid to touch him or to get close to him. And so he's, he says, I've been commanded to build a ship. We've been commanded to build a ship and we're going to. And so, um, and then later on, uh, down in verse 53, the Lord tells Nephi, stretch forth your hand and they shall not wither, but I will shock them. And so he does that. And now the, the boys realize, uh, verse 55, we know of a surety that the Lord is with thee, for we know that it is the power of the Lord that has shaken us. And so then they agreed to help build the boat. Chapter 18, then they, they go forth and they build the ship. They, uh, they get the timbers. Uh, I'm wondering, too, if, uh, if there might be some people already living here before they get there, and maybe they get some help from these people also. Again, I don't know that, just a, some a supposition and thinking that maybe they, they had help from other people that uh, as, they're, as they're building the ship here. Now, Nephi, it looks like in verse 3, when he came across a problem that he didn't know how to solve, he goes up back into the mountain to uh, pray, and the Lord shows him how to solve his building problems, and so he continues to do that until they get done. Um, also, it uh, mentions in verse 7 that uh, Lehi has two more sons, Jacob and Joseph. Now we think that uh, because it was pretty common for them to have lots of children, that they may have had daughters as well that are just not mentioned uh, in the scriptures. Uh, it was pretty common back then that they would only mention the names of the boys. Uh, but we think that there probably were girls that were born at the same time, whether they were born before Jacob and Joseph, while they were still in Jerusalem, we don't know, but at least they were born sometime between or before um, they get to... Uh, the, the land bountiful, uh, be, probably born between Jacob and Joseph. And we'll find out more about the sisters later on. Uh, so they get the ship all built. They put their provisions and their seeds and their all their stuff in verse 8. And they go forth on the water. So verse 9, they're, uh, they're on the water for many days. The wind is driving them forth. 
and the, the boys, uh, Ishmael's sons and Laman and Lehi, or Laman and Lemuel began to dance and to be kind of rude and vulgar on the boat. And Nephi is trying to get them to quit doing that because they need to have the Lord's help as they cross the water. And so the older brothers are again mad at, Lay, uh, mad at Nephi and they tie him up. And, and, uh, but Nephi, it mentions he does not complain. Um, and this goes on for several days. And so finally, uh, even after the third day, they're driven back. The Liahona quits working. Uh, now they're more afraid um, because of the danger that they're in now because the storm is so bad. In verse 20, it mentions they saw that they were about to be swallowed up in the depths of the sea and that they repent now. And they let uh, Nephi loose. He gets the Liahona. Uh, they pray and uh, there's a calm upon the water. And so now they're able to go forth. Uh, and uh, then in verse uh 23, it says, we sailed for the space of many days. We don't know how long it took them to get across the ocean, but we did arrive at the promised land and we went forth upon the land and did pitch our tents and we did call it the promised land. And so now they've been successful in crossing the ocean, uh, getting to America and continent and, and uh, setting up camp and getting crops started to grow. Chapter 19. Uh, so now Nephi, Nephi is commanded in chapter 19 to go ahead and begin to make uh, make a record on plates. And so he gets ore that he finds. He, he makes these plates. Um, we mentioned before uh, what the plates were probably made from that wasn't solid gold, but an alloy of some kind. Um, uh, because of the weight that gold would be, it couldn't be, it couldn't be that. Um, and so... Um, so anyway, he has the plates here. So verse two, I knew not at the time that I made them that I should be commanded to uh, to make these plates. So in other words, uh, he'd started the large plates already. And then 20 years after that, he is commanded by the Lord to make the small plates. And we know uh, it mentions here that he doesn't know why he's doing it. He's just commanded to do it. And uh, But we know later on that it's because of the lost manuscript, uh, 116 pages of the manuscript that are lost that, that he, he uh, made these uh, second set of plates. Uh, to thwart uh, any plan that Satan had of, uh, of trying to destroy the work and the coming forth of the Book of Mormon. Um, all right, down to verse uh, 5, he mentions that, that making, it a, uh, making these plates, again, he's talking still about the plates, the small plates. Um, and then down to, um, uh, let's see, Verse 10, he mentions about how the brass plates had on them the record of Zenus and Zenic and, and the other prophets. He mentions some prophecies here about uh, the Savior being in the tomb for three days. There would be three days of darkness upon the, the land and, uh, and that uh, that would be at the crucifixion and the death of Jesus. Uh, verse 12, he mentions that uh, there will be great moanings in the earth, that there will be earthquakes and, and uh, that uh, people will say, uh, that the God of nature suffers, and that will be uh, associated with the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, verse 13, as for those who are at Jerusalem, they shall be scourged by all people. Uh, verse 15, nevertheless, when that day cometh, saith the prophet, that they no more turn aside their hearts against the Holy One of Israel, then will he remember the covenants which he made to their fathers. So this is the talking then about the gathering of Israel. Um, in verse 19, I speak unto all the house of Israel, if it so be that they should obtain these things, meaning the Book of Mormon and the restoration. So this is talking about our day. And uh, the, the prophets talked about many of uh, the things that are pertaining to us. Verse 22, Nephi did teach the brethren these things. Uh, 
as he read them out of the plates and and uh, the prophecies 23 is a scripture mastery verse about um, I did read them many things out of Moses that I might more fully persuade them to believe in the Lord now we know that all the prophets testified of Christ and and so that's the purpose of the of the scriptures is to testify of the Savior um, down to chapter 20 uh, this is uh, we, we begin to get into some Isaiah chapters here uh, as mentioned uh, Isaiah talks a lot about the scattering of Israel the gathering of Israel the Savior uh, the Messiah coming forth the second coming in the last days and so some of the themes that he's going to do are that now these particular two chapters um, Isaiah is going to first talk about some about the contract that God has with Israel and then in the second chapter he's going to talk about the trial and uh, what Israel is doing wrong that's going to warrant punishment or um, things that are going to happen to them to get them to repent. So Isaiah uh, or chapter 20 of, of First Nephi is also the same as Isaiah chapter 48. And so um, verses 1 to 16 in chapter 20 and chapter 20 then has to do with the stubbornness of, of uh, the covenant people. Uh, talking about the house of Israel verses 17 to 19 are the blessings that God has desired for Israel uh, 20 to 22 talks about the song of the flight of Babylon and then down to chapter 21 which is the trial um, this one is one of the most important chapters of Isaiah as far as Latter-day Saints are concerned because it foretells the mission of the Latter-day Saints and the destiny of the land of America so this is kind of like uh, uh, this this chapter absolutely needs to be studied by every member of the church because this has to do with us uh, verses 1 to 7 in chapter 21 uh, deals with the Lord's servant now remember that the that Isaiah talks about two types of Messiah one is a Messiah that's the servant Messiah and one that's the King Messiah and the Israelites were looking forward to the King Messiah and missed the fact that the servant Messiah had come up had come among them uh, and so he's uh, he's going to talk here first about this the servant Messiah and that's what he's talking about in those verses down to verses 8 to 12 this is about Israel's return in the last days notice in verse 8 he says in an acceptable time uh, and so this is the beginning of the restoration which began in the spring of 1820 um, and that's going to be the beginning of when the, the restoration starts chapter or verses 13 to 21 the Lord comforts his returning children so this is about the restoration of the of the tribes of Israel of the house of Israel verses 22 to 26 the Gentiles will assist in, re, in returning Israel uh, verse 22 mentions I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles meaning that uh, the ensign that will be lifted up and that's the church he will be set it upon he will set up my standard to the people and that's the that's America that's the United States of America and they shall bring thy sons in their arms and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders and again this is about America that the gospel will come forth from America to the rest of the world and uh, and will bless everyone uh, chapter 22 first Nephi 22 then uh, is kind of a description or an explanation of the chapters of Isaiah um, in verse 1 um, it mentions here he says what meaneth these things which you have read behold are they to be understood according to things which are spiritual this is the brothers asking Nephi um, or spiritual or temporal and, and he says these are to be had in the spirit and the flesh in other words these are both temporal and spiritual blessings that are happening verse 3 wherefore the things of which I have read are things pertaining to things both temporal and spiritual 
verse 4, there are many already who are lost from the knowledge of, the, of those at Jerusalem. So there are already some that have been scattered. Uh, Israel's already begun to be scattered. Um, verse 7, it meaneth that the time cometh that after all the house of Israel have been scattered and confounded, that the Lord God will raise up a mighty nation among the Gentiles. And he's talking here about the United States of America. And that, the, that, those, that from America, then the gospel will go forth to the rest of the world. And uh, the gospel will be of great worth to the Gentiles, and they will carry it to the Jews and uh, also to the Lamanites. Um, he then goes on to talk about the, in verse 15, for the prophet saith, the time cometh speedily that Satan shall have no more power over the hearts of the children of men. Here he's talking about this, the millennium when the, uh, the Savior comes at the second coming and Satan will be bound. Uh, the earth will be destroyed by fire, as he mentions in verse 15. Uh, and then 16, the, the, the fullness of the wrath of God will be poured out upon the wicked and that the righteous will be spared. Verse 17, he will preserve the righteous by his power. Uh, and again, this will be by the, at the second coming when he comes to burn the wicked. Um, verse 20, the Lord will surely prepare a way for his people. So we need to make sure that we're living the commandments so that we can be uh, qualified to uh, be protected by the Lord. Uh, verse 25, he gathereth his children from the four quarters of the earth. And this is the message of the restoration. This is what we're doing today is gathering all these people uh, back into the church. Uh, and verse 26, because of the righteousness of his people, Satan is bound and has no power. Now we could bind Satan today if we chose to. Uh, we could do that today. We don't have to wait for the second coming or the millennium to do it. If we just didn't obey what he says, then we would, um, we would have the second coming basically uh, in our lives right now. Uh, verse 31, uh, you need not suppose that I and my father are the only ones that have testified and also taught them. So this gospel that's being taught is not just by the Nephites. It's every everyone that's had the gospel um, has taught these things. I bear testimony to the truth of the gospel of the of these things and that the, the gathering of Israel has begun, uh, that we are in full full force with it, that the Book of Mormon is the tool that will, that will gather Israel from the four, port, four, four parts of the earth. I bear testimony to the truth of these things that the Book of Mormon is true in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.